Hi, everyone. My name is Shannon Calder, licensed therapist, and I'm joined by Dr. Kathy Barrett, forensic psychologist. We talk about all topics from a psychological perspective. Welcome to Terror Talk. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. I'm going to take a big sigh here. Please. Thank you for that. Today on the show, we are going to talk about the movie No Country for Old Men. And I think that is why you are sighing. I <laughs> just want to say. have You had seen this movie before. I, I had. Okay, go ahead. However. Okay. Watching it again. So much better than I had originally thought. Yeah. I remember watching it the first time and going, eh, I'm kind of bored, da, da, da. I like was so into it this time. I'm glad. To the point where it like surprised me a little bit. And I think because I was so obsessed with Javier Bardem's performance. Isn't he exceptional in this? Man. Oh my God. Like I, I remember him being good, but I don't know why it just hit me different this time. Well, I, there might be lots of reasons for that, just like context and why you were watching it or whatever, but also No Country for Old Men. It's a two hour movie. It's R rated. It's from 2007. So it's pre mental health work. So we often talk on the show about how we saw lots of different movies with psychopaths in them pre our training i was like just starting my master's and our education right and although you and i both have ha always had an interest in horror always had an interest in true crime did papers on serial killers regularly in my english classes in undergrad like yeah we have the interest it's just sure. watching this from the perspective of like i said let's do this movie as male psychopathy because Javier is widely known as one of the more strict psychopathic personalities in film, and we just hadn't done it yet. So maybe that's why. I don't know. Why it he, hit you better? I don't know. I, I don't know. I think I just enjoyed the story more. Maybe I was paying attention to it more. I don't, I don't know. But I can say, and it seems like most of the sites agree with me, that this was one of if not the most realistic portrayal. That's why I picked it. Yeah, absolutely. Of a psychopath on screen. Yep. That's exactly why I picked it because I, I realized, <laughs> and I think you probably like, realized too. True psychopath. Yes. And I think you probably realized this too, but I, I very much started to realize that a lot of the ones we were explicating and through those conversations is that there are very few strict psychopaths on screen. And so I went in search of that and I remembered this movie. So let me just say super quick that this is based on a novel. Most of you know by Cormac McCarthy and he's a fantastic writer and he actually originally wrote this as a screenplay and then I think wrote it into a novel, but let me just do the quick synopsis for those of you who may not know. And then we'll, we'll dive in Texas, Mexico border. One day, Llewellyn Moss finds a pickup truck surrounded by a bodyguard of dead men, a load of heroin. That's played by Josh Brolin in this movie. And he's excellent, too. He's really good, too. A load of heroin and $2 million in cash are still in the back. When Moss takes the money, he sets off a chain reaction of catastrophic violence that not even the law in the person of aging, disillusioned Sheriff Bell, who's Tommy Lee Jones, who's also awesome. Also but awesome. he's also awesome. He just all, all, he's, he was, he's himself he was, in this. He was always yeah. awesome as himself yeah. i mean he's just enjoyable to watch on screen that's actually, why he had such a great um, career i like the actor too that plays the other his his partner yes he's, he's been, been in a lot, lot of stuff too yeah. 
and I don't know his yeah. name right at this moment, but so as Moss tries to evade his pursuers after stealing this money, in particular, a mysterious mastermind who flips coins for human lives, McCarthy simultaneously, meaning the author, strips down the American crime novel, because this is about the novel, and broadens it concerns to encompass the themes as ancient as the Bible and as bloodily contemporary as this morning's headlines. The book is really good, but this movie is really good as well, and it had a lot of critical acclaim at the time that it's got, and it's a Coen Brothers movie, mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know, and it stars Tommy Lee Jones, Javier Bardem, and Josh Brolin. We've talked a, about a lot of different psychopaths on the show. We have. And we've talked about, from time to time, the difference between primary and secondary psychopathy. And I would, I mean, I just think that the majority of psychopaths we've talked on uh, talked about on this show, including some of our true crime have been secondary psychopaths, which are closer to sociopaths, right? They're much more reactive. They're more maladaptive in their interpersonal stuff in the sense that they can be very reactive, impulsive, and disorganized. But with the primary psychopath, which is what we're dealing with, Anton Chigger, I think is how you pronounce it, right? His character name? Not sure, but yeah, sounds good. I think that's what it is. (laughs) Because they make a reference to it a couple times when they say his last name. We're talking about a primary psychopath who is incredibly antisocial. We're not dealing with a narcissist here. We're dealing with someone who is coming from their primal reptilian old brain, low anxiety, low fear response, less maladaptive than who we usually talk about and all in all a higher level of psychological well-being because nothing rattles this guy i mean there are moments where he like the scene where he's been shot and cut and all and he gets the hotel room to soak in the tub Mm -hmm. and his face as he's just like wrapping his leg because he (laughs) needs to keep going and he's pulling shit out of it and wrapping it up and tearing his shirt. And, and you're just watching his face. No emotion. It's like, okay, and on to the next. And that would be when we think about that primal, animalistic reptile. That's this. And he played it so well. Javier, so excellent. From a, and I would, so I'll, let me add a layer of the filmmaking and the way they made that so clear. So we're seeing the psychology because of what they created from a filmmaking perspective, right? And from an acting perspective. And I want to add that there was a lot that went into that, right? So he is always alone. He's always shown alone, except for, you know, when he has certain interactions to get certain things with people and kill them, or he decides not to kill them, which is part of what's happening. So they always try to show him alone. He's wearing, he's always wearing dark clothes, like the Grim Reaper, you know, he's always, obviously, like you said, he's emotionally detached. He's calculated. He's more of a hunter. He comes off more as more of a hunter who sort of toys with his prey. And I, and I get really get the sense and Javier did this really well where he's toying at it out of a curiosity. He's really, he's actually genuinely curious as to what they're going to say. Yeah. It's not like a narcissist where they think they know what you're going to say. Mm -mm. It's more that he's genuinely curious about what you're going to say, not from a empathetic place, Mm -mm. but just curious what you're going to say, mostly because of his sense of justice and the certain way of life that he lives and how I, I, what I think is interesting about his character is that he believes in a higher power because 
he's looking for that justice of, of that goes along with his sense of fairness and completing his own promises because he's hired to hunt this guy down by mm-hmm. others. So he's a hired killer and he likes the idea of a of a of a lawless kind of outlaw country. It's got it's got that very old school western mm-hmm. a lawlessness about it, like from a couple hundred years ago that we always see portrayed, where you know kill or be killed kind of situation right. only in modern times. But he also has this like an eye for an eye too. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely that biblical right going along with the biblical theme because he's he likes the idea of of a higher power. And the reason why I say that is because he's actually not, he's having people flip coins for their life and he's asking them questions and depending on the way they answer is whether they die or not. And that really speaks to, he believes in the idea that he isn't choosing their death, that it's deterministic. It's, it's, it's destiny. Yeah. It's fate. It's a higher power that's choosing the death. Now we know better than that because who shoots the gun but, or But somebody who is is really that charismatic about their religion would say this is this is deterministic. This is pre you know, uh, this has been chosen for you. Right. And so what what I, I guess I would say is that because the way his psychology is constructed, because he has this sense of he's not choosing Others are determining and the higher power, either others are choosing your death and paying me to do it, or the higher power is choosing it out of fate or destiny or chance or luck. It justifies his... It it supports having no internal conflict. That's right. He doesn't have any internal conflict because of his psychology from birth, (laughs) because of his psychopathy, but this whole belief system has been created around... It supports it if it's not if it's not my choice and it's just destiny and it's fate and it's chosen by a higher power. Then I don't. I absolutely don't. That that tells me why I don't personally have any internal conflict about killing you. Mm-hmm. Which of I, course my favorite scene mm-hmm. in the whole movie is the scene in the gas station. Yes, and I think that's right on as far as like that's my favorite scene too, is because it's that longer scene he, with the he older flips man. The coin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually there's. Very little to be I'll, learned. I'll come back later. No, no. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's like, wait, what? We're closed. I will come back later. What time do you go to bed? He says. <laughs> and the guy's just like, oh, no. You can yeah. just see it in his face. Yeah. I remember watching that scene and my very first thought was that guy doesn't know that he almost just died. He probably has a little tiny bit of an idea, but I don't think he fully understood. He just looked really confused mm-hmm. and like, okay, that was weird. But we all know as viewers what he Javier had a 50, was doing. 50-50 chance. We all know what he was doing, yeah. even though it's not said. No. If you look at the dialogue, it's definitely not said. It's all in character and acting. You absolutely know what Javier's doing, which is just, that's why he's so exceptional yeah, in this part. Yeah. But it's also, you don't know, by the end of the movie, you don't know a whole lot about the character, Mm-mm. Anton's character. There's just a few things you pick up along the way, right? So what do we pick up? We pick up that he knows medical stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because he's been a hitman all his life. I would or, think so. We don't know, though. Yeah, we don't We know. aren't told. 
We know his ideology, right? You definitely learn his ideology, but we don't really know anything about his history. We don't really know anything about what he's done, not done, how he's felt, where he's gone, like all of that. There's just a few things. We know that he has medical knowledge because of he, he knows exactly what to get out of the pharmacy. Yep. <laughs> he knows exactly how to sew up his leg. He knows all that stuff. Might have been for function. We just don't know. We know he has a lot of weapon skills and he knows how to blow up a car real easy and he knows all the like destruction, violent skills, right? Mm -hmm. And in that scene that you're talking about, he says something about how the coin has traveled for 22 years. Yeah. Oh. And he said, and then, you know, what if I blah, blah, blah. He goes, then it's just a coin or whatever. That yeah. whole scene, it's just. And you don't know if it's of him just making up shit, but he doesn't seem like the kind of guy to do that. No, I he felt like there so was a, little I, info. Yeah, I felt like that that was supposed to, in a very subtle way, let us know how long maybe he's been doing this. And maybe there's more in the book or not, but I, I do remember reading that this was written as a screenplay first and then as a book. So maybe it's explained or there, there's more in the book, um, but I wouldn't know. I really can't believe how much more I enjoyed it this time. Sounds like it. Yeah. I enjoyed it too. I, I thought it was a good watch. I had really forgotten that Woody Harrelson is in it. I had forgotten because there's all these other kind of oh, minor yeah, characters. Yeah, he Woody is. Harrelson's in it briefly and he plays a straight kind of like criminal. Uh, Garrett Dillahunt is the guy that you were talking about that we've seen yeah. in a bunch of other stuff. He I plays like Wendell, Tommy Lee Jones kind of right hand man. He was most recently in Army of the Dead, which we watched. Yep. He's been in a lot of stuff. I remember him being in a lot of different things, but he's really good. I, I had just forgotten all that. And I had absolutely, because I haven't watched it since 2007, because I did watch it when it just like first came out. And I honestly had not watched it since then because I had a similar reaction of like, wow, great performance, you know, move it on. Like it wasn't, I remembered that he was a straight psychopath, <laughs> but... And then it was violent, but I was never a massive fan of the Coen brothers at the time. Mm -hmm. I think I'm more of a fan now than I was then. I just have a more sophisticated way of watching movies, I think, even though we watch a lot of trashy horror from the 70s and 80s. I like Coen. I actually Coen is always, it's always hit or miss for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that might be true. Mm -hmm. Most people might say that. Most of Coen brothers stuff I like, but there's a few that people love that I just could give or take. Well, and before we watch this again, you might have said the same thing. Yeah, I, I I just remember this being up for a lot of Oscars and thinking maybe I should have liked it more than I did. <laughs> um, and, and watching it this time, I'm like, I totally get it. So I don't know, I could have just been not paying that much attention or just didn't wasn't into the topic. I don't know, I just watched it, you know, older. Mm -hmm. More educated more on educated the topic. More educated on the topic and just found his performance to be unbelievable. Right. You know, I'm struck with this topic. When we talk about movies the male psychopaths that we've talked about when we talk about them and they're more complicated and the female psychopaths when they're more complicated and then they have more mental health issues going on and they have more of a complex psychology and they're not strict psychopaths that there is actually so much more to say about them yeah because they have all these different layers and maybe that's why these kinds of characters aren't often lead characters in films because it's very difficult to make a straight psychopath an interesting character or carry a film. And maybe that's why back in the day we weren't as like interested because it's because of Javier and the writing. And obviously the writing is exceptional, but you know, a straight psychopath is a straight psychopath. There's like not a whole well, ton to talk about. I agree. And I think what they've done in historically with characters 
like this is they've made up for it by making the film very gruesome. Mm -hmm. And so I think what a lot of people maybe anticipated or didn't get in this film that I think makes it more sophisticated because it, he's so incredibly intimidating without all that gore. Yes. Is they didn't get that with this. It was a straight movie. It's not a horror film. No, there is some gore because you see some wounds and some killings, but, and, and Josh gets brutal. Josh gets really beat up and Mm -hmm. he gets really beat up and there's lots of blood and there. I was definitely impressed by just how they beat each other up for two hours, basically Mm -hmm. like physically and how broken they are at the end. It was really successfully done, but it wasn't gore like horror. It wasn't, like last week us talking about may there's like a substantial amount of body gore in that movie this doesn't have that it has a little but it doesn't have that this has just the emotional intensity of will he catch up will he find him you know the scenes in the hotel room and and yes the who's gonna die who's You're... gonna who's gonna die it was cat and mouse the <laughs> whole movie's cat and mouse so i was looking at this study said a paper recently published in the Journal of Forensic Sciences. So I'm reading from lovefraud.com, the most accurate psychopath in cinema award goes to, and obviously it goes to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says a paper recently published in the Journal of Forensic Sciences investigates the relationship between cinema and psychopathy to describe and analyze the portrayal of fictional psychopathic characters in popular films over cinematic history. Mm-hmm. Rather than assessing their commercial success or aesthetic efficiency and appeal, authors such and such and such and such and such and such <laughs> assess the degree. Is that because they're hard names to pronounce? Leistet and Litwinkowski. They're MDs and PhDs, both of them. Assess the degree to which the fictional character's portrayal was realistic from the clinical and psychopathological viewpoint of psychiatrists, clinical psychologists, and mental health professionals. 400 films, so they viewed 400 films made between 1915 and 2010 were studied and yielded 126 psychopathic characters, 105 male and 21 female. Among recent films, the study finds among the most interesting and realistic psychopathic characters are these. And so obviously we're talking about Anton, but the others, one of which we've talked about, two we may want to actually do for the show because I've seen the other two movies, but I don't think we've ever talked about them. But I think they're also really good comparisons to this character. One we have talked about, which is Henry Lee Lucas from Portrait of a Serial Killer, which they obviously, like we were saying earlier, made that incredibly gruesome to make it gripping. And it's also based on a true story. But then the other two, I think, are much more like Anton, that they're not really horror films as much as they are more about uh they're more intense films so do you remember george harvey and the lovely bones i do he was great and then gordon gecko in wall street yeah absolutely so those are the only four in this whole study of 126 where did they say really portrayed that realistic psychopath yeah i've read a part i read a part i bought and read a part of that study and uh it's fascinating because they took them from all genres. Yeah. They took the they took them from all genres. So that's why you get these ones in the end. And it's it's interesting the criteria they used and all that. I'll have to go back and and it's a longer study obviously because there's so many damn movies, but right. but it's very interesting. Let's watch all 126 by next week. Can we not? Nope. <laughs> Can you imagine? Shannon would be like, I have, a, I have a lofty goal for us for right. two Sundays. I'll be from like, now. we're just going to do an, one episode and we're only going to speak 10 minutes about. No. <laughs> 
It's just that in 12 months, we will both end up being psychopaths because we've studied this. Speak so for much. yourself. Ah, oh. I already am. It's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I'm that ship there. has sailed. Gordon Gecko. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I can see that, obviously. Although I imagine we can probably have an argument for sociopath because, yeah. because of his functioning. For sure. But... Javier does seem to be, I I can see why he won the award because in many ways, the movie doesn't give you why he's that way. They don't go into the trauma. They don't go into his history. They don't go into how he got that and how his dad beat him or any of that. Right? Like Mm -hmm. there's no history in the flick about him. And so you are left to look at his ideology, his symptomology right now and his actions and that is, in a, from a film perspective or a writing perspective, that is the way to get a strict psychopath. Right. Because as soon as you start giving the trauma and the, how it got there, you start to see motivation. And then you start to have a bigger psychological picture that psychologists can give you other stuff. They can show other stuff. So from a filmic perspective, the way to get a strict, strict psychopath on screen is to not give a whole lot of history. That's right. right. So this is interesting, and I'm glad you enjoyed the movie better than you had in the past, and I did too. Mm -hmm. And now, I mean, as a teacher, obviously, this is a great example, Mm -hmm. and your students can, you can refer to it Yeah, film is really great to to use for teaching. You bet. And we very much appreciate you listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will continue to talk about the psychopathic and other personalities in movie and TV because it's something that interests us along with horror films. So thank you so much for listening. This has been an episode of terror talk. My name is Shannon and I'm Kathy sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of terror talk. If you enjoyed this show, there are two things you could do for us subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media, as well as writing a review on iTunes. Plus you could check out our Patreon page. Don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We upload new episodes of terror talk every Wednesday and of shrink chat every Friday until then goodbye and have a pleasant tomorrow.